Uh, we have been, for the last six weeks, we have been in a teaching series. We like to teach in series, which means we take a topic and we just talk about series topic for several weeks from different angles. And so the last six weeks, we have been in a series called Divine Direction. And Divine Direction is all about, has been all about God's will for your life. And, and that's kind of the, the Bible way of saying it. The way we've been saying it is all of us want to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Should I take that job? Should I quit that job? Should I date that person? Should I marry that person? Should I buy that house? Like what all of these decisions that we have to make in life, how can we be more confident? Like I don't want it to just be a total crapshoot, Jason. Like how can I have a little bit of confidence that I'm right where I need to be, doing what I need to be doing, when I need to be doing it? That is God's will for your life. And so that's what we've been talking about all different kind of ways been amazing. And this week is our final week of Divine Direction. And next week, we're going to start a brand new series called I Don't Want to Be That Person Anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore. The Bible says, the Bible says that when you are in Christ, you're a new creature. But how many people would admit, sometimes I don't feel so new? Anybody who just admit that? Like, still got some of them old words I used to say. Still got some of them old habits. Still got some... so. We're going to talk about that. I don't want to be that person anymore, and that's going to be good. But for this last week of Divine Direction, we're doing one of my favorite things. I mean, I, I knew I liked it, and then during the first service, I leaned over to Andrew, and I was like, man, I love this. It's one of my favorites. We do what, we're, what we call five for five. How many people have ever been here for a five for five? Let me see your hand. A couple of you guys have been here for that. Five for five is when we take or you get to hear five different speakers today give you their five best Minute. So you're going to get to hear five five-minute sermons today. And what I love about this, so many things I like about it, but what I love about it is your attention span is only about five minutes anyway. So when I preach for 30 minutes, you're only really focusing for about five anyway. So we're going to give you a reset today, and you get to listen to five different messages. And all of them, the theme of all of these messages is God's will for your life, your future, messages, all those things that are important to us. And so five people five messages. You're going to get to hear from people who are leaders in our church, people who serve in our church, who do so many things. I love to preach to you guys. It's one of my favorite things that I do, but I want to make sure you're hearing from people other than me, people who are making this church happen, and, and, uh, and so you're going to get to do that today. Now, anytime somebody gets up to speak, and this includes me, but especially people who maybe don't speak as often as others, anytime they get up to speak, they need some help. They need some help, okay? They need some feedback from the crowd. Now, you may have gone to church or grown up in a church where, like, you had to sit still and never make a sound, and, like, mommy would slap you if you did, all right? Anybody go to that church? Come on, let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, my mom used to sing in the choir, so I would sit by myself. Me and my brother would sit there, and my mom would sit in the choir, and we would try to see if she was watching us. But the glare from the lights blocked her glasses, so we never knew if she was paying attention to us or not, and then we would find out when we got in the car afterwards <laughs> how bad the spanking was going to be. But anyway, maybe you grew up in that church. That's not what Hope City Church is, okay? We need you to help out the speakers this morning because they're going to draw their confidence and their enthusiasm from you. Now, what that means is that if they're saying something good, and they will, then you need to encourage them. Maybe you say something like, that's good. Come on, practice that. That's good. That's good. Say amen. 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 Say that. Say that. Amen. You can say, that's good. That's good. You just got to, you know, you got you to encourage them a little bit. 
if it's bad, you want them to hurry up and finish, see? And if it's good, you want it to get better. And so we're going we're gonna to just encourage them today. It's good. I already heard it. It's good. And you're going to get to hear the reworked version a little bit. So uh, it's exciting. Now, preachers and teachers are long-winded like I'm doing right now. I'm just rambling right now, all right? So we're long-winded. So we want to make sure that we stick to the five minutes because you give five preachers a microphone, you could be here five hours, all right? So we're going to we're going to keep it to 25 minutes, all right? And so what's going to happen is when they start, now you don't see it, but there's a clock on the back wall back here that they can see. Everybody's turning around right now. That's the clock back there. They're going to see five minutes. And when they get to 60 seconds, Kaylee's going to help us out. Kaylee, come on. Help us out. 60 seconds right there. They'll know they got 60. When they get to 10, then they're going to see that right there, 10 seconds. And then when their time's up, they're going to hear this. All right? So they got five minutes to give you their best stuff. Are you guys ready for five for five? All right. Everybody give it up for Mr. Daniel Franklin. Do not start the clock yet. I'm not ready. Don't start it. Let's go. I ran out of time in the first over, so I'm really going to work through this a little bit. Uh, the last couple years... I've really been thinking about how God sees me. Like, I know how I see me, but like, God, what do you see when you see Daniel Franklin? And so I got a picture up there, and you know, my biggest fear is that God sees me like that. I've been doing this long enough, serving Christ, that my tree shouldn't look like that, right? And if that's where you're at in your journey, if you're new to it, that's great, man. That's great. Young roots, leaves, that's great. But me, 38 years old, grown up in church, been doing this a while, I need to look a little more mature, right? So put the next one up, babe. I call her babe. It's my wife back there, by the way. <laughs> or Greg Greenwood. <laughs> Jeremiah 17:8 says, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. So the next picture you're going to see, what we, that first picture we seen was a baby aspen, sapling tree. This next tree right here is a grove of aspens. And what I found very endearing about that picture is all of those trees are tied to one root, right? And to me, in order to have a sustainable Christian walk, you got to be rooted, Right? You got to be rooted in the word. You got to be rooted. And when I say rooted, like you've got you've to digest the word. You got to read the word. The, the scripture tells us that the roots run by the stream. You know, that stream is your prayer time and, and reading the word and digesting the word. And so I said, God, if, if I'm looking like a sapling, how do I get to that? Right? How do I get to 47,000 trees over 109 acres tied to one root? One root. And Jamie and I, we just celebrated our 13th year of marriage. Um, listen, that girl is strong. 13 years of this, baby, that's been work. Um, I am not the same man when we got married. And that's a story for another day. Let me tell you what, Fat Daniel used to be here, and he ain't here anymore. Um, so I'm having my prayer time the other morning. 5 a.m., I'm getting up, getting on my knees, Team SoulCon. Um, and Jamie walks out at 545 and just gets in the chair, starts reading her word. And I'm just like, and God lays on my heart and he says, man, you're planting roots right now. 
You're planting roots right now because you know what? In 13 years of marriage, Jamie and I have won way more than we have lost. We have, we have probably 20 years of college experience between us, no degrees. Um, right? We have, we have had uh, 1,900 jobs, you know, one career. I, I'm just saying, we've defeated the odds our entire time together. And the reason we've defeated the odds is, like, over the years, we have, we have accidentally planted some roots, right? We have had these small seasons where we've prayed together. We've had these small seasons where we've prayed with our kids. And I'm 38, staring down the barrel of 40, and God's like, buddy, you've got to plant some roots. Because as good as the first 13 years have been, man, how many people know that life is inevitable, right? The next 13 years might not look like this first 13 years, and we have to be intentional about being even more rooted in Christ. And so I was like, God, what's that look like? What does being more rooted look like to you? And I've got a handful of examples here. The first one is give grace when it's not deserved, right? Every time you give grace when someone doesn't deserve grace, you get a little more rooted, right? Forgive when, you, when you're not, when it's impossible to forgive. You get just a little bit more rooted, right? And forgive the husband that walked out. Forgive the impossible. God is in the business of helping you accomplish the impossible things. God is in the business of helping you forgive those that shouldn't be forgiven. Husbands, serve your family. Serve your wives, right? Jamie and I just did a study together, and I loved it because it hit me right in the mouth. Like every time I unload the dishwasher, don't look for a high five. Come on, bro. Really? Right? Every time I make dinner, buddy, you're serving your wife. Because Christ told me in Ephesians that I'm supposed to love my wife like I love the church and to love her selflessly and to serve my children selflessly, not for high fives and praises, because every time I do, I get more rooted. Hold on, I forgot. Serving kids ministry. Put your hand up. Let's serve in kids ministry. Come on, somebody. Every time we make an intentional act to do something for God, you get more rooted and ready for the storm that's unfortunately, it's inevitable and it's coming, but God needs you to weather the storm. Amen. All right, come on. That was good. Now, so I'm a big, I'm a big believer in taking notes. I love to take notes. And so I've got my phone over there. I got my notes app out. I got just like 400 random lines of thoughts that come to me or I'm listening to somebody speak. And so I really want to encourage you today because five for five is like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like just see what sticks, right? So you're going to have, you're going to have all these different ideas. Some, something's said, something's not said. Get that phone out, get a pen out. Maybe you, when Daniel spoke, you, you want to write down like, how can I plant more roots? How can I put more roots in the ground? How can I get more planted somewhere in my life? Maybe you want to ask that question so you can think about it as you move. Number two. Right. Was that good? You ready for number two? I'm excited, number two, because uh, Pastor John Hendrickson serves as our family ministries pastor all the way from, he, he's taking care of babies all the way to young adults. And so, such a great responsibility, but he does so well with it. Come on, give it up, Pastor John Hendrickson. All right, good morning. All right, so a few years ago, um, I had a 30-minute commute to work. I lived in Ohio, and I remember it so vividly, one of those real vivid memories, every day at work, or every day on the way to work, I would pray for those 30 minutes. And what was I praying for? Don't over-spiritualize it. I was praying for a new job. I was praying on my way to my current job for a new job, a different job. Anybody else in this room ever been there? Yeah. 
So I started to get frustrated because I was crying out to God. I was saying things like, God, what's next? God, what do you have for me? God, God, this, what I have right now, this can't be it, right? This can't be it. And I prayed that prayer for almost a year. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. Just my frustration kept building and building and building. And one day, I started to hear something, not in an audible voice, but in my head, in my heart. I heard something, and I knew it was from God. He said, worship me. Worship me. Immediately, I thought, okay, I play guitar. I can, God wants me to be a worship leader. Fantastic. God wants me to be a worship leader. God, I'm ready. Open the door. Prepare me. Whatever you have to do, God, I want to do this. Great idea, God. Go for it. Still nothing was happening. Nothing was happening, right? All this time is going by. I'm seeking mentors. I'm seeking guidance. I'm, I'm serving my church. I'm seeking God himself and doing all the right things. Nothing was happening. Where's the door, God, right? Where's the door? I thought you said there would be a door. See, it took all of that time of me seeking and not finding to realize what God actually meant. He didn't need me to be a worship leader. He meant simply and literally worship me. Worship me. Think of your life every day. Worship me where you are. And so I think a lot of us, as we're seeking God's will for our life, we, we miss it because we're more focused on the blessing than the one who blesses. In other words, we're more focused on where we see ourselves, where we want to be, rather than the God, the provider, and creator of all of those things. And so I want to read something today of a man named David who is feeling very much this way. He was feeling forgotten and neglected by God. And so here's what David says in Psalm 13. He says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But pay close attention to this. I trust in your unfailing love. I'll rejoice because you've rescued me. I'll sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Has anybody in this room ever felt like David, neglected? Maybe God didn't come through when you needed him the most. I think all of us. Four times he cries out, how long, God? How long? How long? Forever? Every day? How long am I going to be in this situation? But at the end, his tone changes. He starts to worship God. He says, God, but I trust in you. God, I'll sing your praise. God, I rejoice because you have rescued me. And so in a way, David is saying, God, I don't like my circumstances, but you mean more to me than my circumstances. But God, you mean more to me than my circumstances. And so here's what I think we can learn from David and what he writes, that the best way to see and to understand God's will for our life, especially when we're in the middle of these situations, circumstances we don't like, is to worship where we are. Whatever the situation is, whatever you're in the middle of and you're dealing with right now, we understand God's will as we worship right where we are. David, three ways that he does this uh, that I want to point out to you this morning. One, trust. David trusted him. Trust in God's plan. Trust in what he has for you on the other side. Trust in his timing, right? That's a hard one for us because we so often want things right now. Our culture has fed us that way, right? But trust in God. Two, we remember. Remember what God has done. Remember where we were and where we are now, all because of him. We remember. We have to remember. 
We remember his promises. And the third one is praise. Even if everything else in your life is messed up, if you can't find anything else praiseworthy, praise him for what he has done. Praise him for rescuing you. Praise him for your salvation. As believers, we have that to cling to, right? We have a reason. And also praise him for what you believe he will do. Praise him for what you think he's going to do, what you're knowing he's going to do at the end. And so whatever the circumstances are, what we can learn from David is that right in the middle of his deepest, darkest moment with all of this despair, we hope in God because we can trust, we can remember, and we can praise him. Yeah. It's good. You know what I love about Pastor John every time we do five for five is he times it just right. He just walks off right at He's good at it. He's good at it. Hey, here, here's what I just wrote down. Here's what I just wrote down when Pastor John was speaking. How would my life look different if I worshiped when I want to whine? Right? How would your life look different if you worshiped when you want to whine? That, uh, that could be a game changer. How we doing over here, students? We doing good? Hey, we got our students in service with us today. Our middle schoolers and high schoolers normally meet during our 1130 service, but we got them hanging out with us today for our five for five. We're pumped you guys are here. You guys ready for number three? All right, number three. Speaker number three is, is uh, Kim Greenwood. Kim serves as an elder at the church with her husband, Greg. She's been on, she was on staff for years and years and years serving in our children's ministry. I just recently stepped down from that, but she still serves in leadership as an elder with her husband. And we, we're blessed to have her. Come on, give it up for Kim Greenwood. All right. Okay, so I love calendars. I love, love, love to plan out my weeks and my months and everything. And so I do carry around a calendar on my phone, but my master calendar that I have been using since I was in college is one of those big desk calendars that you can rip the page off. You know what I mean? And it's like I just love putting things on that calendar. And when, when my kids were little, there were tons of things on it, and we actually have it sitting in the laundry area where we go in and out to our garage. So we see it when we go out, we see it when we come in. And I live by the academic calendar, I still do. So my calendar's not from January to January, it's from July to July. And for some people, I know you love to go buy school supplies, I love to buy my clean calendar in July and get it all set up. But here's the funny thing, now if you ask me to, to sit down and plan out life goals, like what are you gonna do in five years? What are you gonna do in 10 years? I'm just like, I just don't like that at all. My 20 something, would when I was 20, yes, but not now. And the funny thing is, when I look at my life the last 10, 20, 30 years, yes, I'm that old, um, I look back and I think, you know, my life sort of took a lot of unexpected turns. And it was, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had an attitude. And so the thing is, I think we complicate determining God's direction a lot of times we just make it way too hard. So there's a story in the Bible about a man named Samuel. You may have heard of him. He was a prophet, and he was a prophet to kings. He's actually the prophet that anointed Saul, King Saul, and anointed King David. Now, the cool thing about Samuel was Samuel was born into serving God. His mother, Hannah, was barren. She prayed fervently for a child from God, so much so that she said, I will give him back to you, God, if you will just answer my prayer. And that's what happened. So Samuel was born into serving God. There's a story in 1 Samuel 3 
when he was a young boy, he's living in the temple with the priest Elijah. It's at night. He's going to bed. He's falling asleep, and all of a sudden he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. He thinks it's the priest, Elijah. So he goes running down the hall to Elijah's room, and he says, yes, how can I help you? And Elijah says, I... I didn't, I didn't call you. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes back to bed. This happens two more times, two more times. He goes running down to Elijah's room. He's like, come on, what do you want? No, but he says, how can I help you? And Elijah, a little slow on the uptake, finally goes, oh, three times. Okay, I think God is calling you. So go back to your room. When you hear your name called again, say this, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to his room, and he lays down, and he hears, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, I am listening. That was the beginning of an amazing intimate relationship because Samuel chose to be available between Samuel and God. And there's story of story story of God speaking with Samuel and saying, Samuel, yes, Lord, I need you to go do this. Okay. And even sometimes Samuel would say, oh, God, I really don't want to go do that. And he would say, Samuel, it's okay. Here's what's going to happen. I got your back. It's going to be all right. So there are two things that we can learn from how Samuel lived his life to determine God's direction. Two things. One is be available The second is be obedient. Now, here's the thing about being available. It's not being available when you decide to be available. Because sometimes here's what we do, and this is because of pride or because of shame. It it, it doesn't matter. We'll say, God, I'm not available right now. You just wait, wait right over there. And I'm over here, and I have to fill in the blank. I have to fix this. I have to get rid of this. I have to get better at this. Then I'll be over here, and I'll be available to you. But no, 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 that's not what God says. And Jason told us in week two, the steps with be available where you are, and God will work you through the steps that he needs you to go through to be available for what he wants you to do. Right? Right. Okay, second one is be obedient. Way harder, way harder, because Jason's also told us in week three, sometimes being obedient means stay where you are, even when you don't want to. Sometimes being obedient means I need you to let go of this or I need you to give this up to be obedient. And I know for me, it's like Samuel's conversation with God was, Samuel, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Okay, my conversation with God has sort of been, hey, Kim, I need you to go serve in kids' ministry. All righty, Lord. Hey, Kim, I need you to stay in kids' ministry even though you're not ready, you want to kind of want to go. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. That's what we need to do. Make it simple. Be available, be obedient. Yeah. Come on. Be available, be obedient. I love it. Y'all ready for number four? I'm really excited about number four because uh, this is Joe's first time being a part of our five for five. Joe helps lead with Pastor John for our student ministry. He also leads with Daniel in our soul con. So many areas that he's serving in loving on you, and uh, you're going to love this today. Give it up. Come on, for Joe Strothman. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I am going to talk to you guys about God's will and how I feel like you can uh, be in that. Imagine if you're driving your car and you let go of your steering wheel. How long do you think you're going to go straight? If you drive an 05 Honda Odyssey with 180,000 miles and the alignment's whack, you'll be in a ditch real quick. 
If you're in a brand new car, you might go for a little while, but you'll be in speed, and next thing you know, you're going to be in a guardrail. You're going to be in one of those wire rails. Well, this right here, this divine direction, God's will, a.k.a. God's plan, the first one, to keep God's hand on your steering wheel, okay? The first one, and this is special to me because it was in my marriage vows, and it has meant so much to me so many different ways in the 10 years Karen and I have been married. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Be in God's will, right? If above all else we're seeking God's will, how are we going to be out of it? If we're seeking his kingdom, how could we go wrong? It's God's kingdom. It's perfect. So let's just follow what he wants for his kingdom. Well, how do you start seeking God's will? How do you start seeking his kingdom? Today, I want what God wants. His plan is better than my plan. So what do you say? I say start. I say go. I'll throw one out to my friends that know me and my buddies. My hashtag, get after it, friends. Hashtag, get after it. What do you do? Go. Start. You don't need a plan. God's not going to tell you, this is Jesus. Save this person over here today. No, it's like my friends that are moving to India. Special, this was not first service. My friends are moving to India. He told me the other day, Jesus did not look me eye to eye in my cornflakes and say, go to Istanbul. He didn't. But guess what he's doing? He's got a family. They're packing up and they're moving. Okay? This is how I do it. And this is how SoCon changed my life. Karen knows. Swear to God. Matthew 6, 9, 13, on my knees. Every morning. And I'm not being boastful. I'm not being prideful. I'm just telling you, this is an easy step that you can do to change your life. If you look for a guy six weeks ago that's a little skinnier now, maybe a little buffer, shirt's the right size, ask him. He'll know. There's, there's a couple of us running around. Thank you, Brad. I love you. Our Father who is in heaven, recognize where God is. He's not in a cow. He's not in your bank account. He's not in your, your wife doesn't know about. He's in heaven. Keep his name holy. Remember that God's holy. He's sovereign. He knows us. He made us. I told the guys at men's breakfast yesterday about trademarks. God made us. He formed us in the womb. And then he gave us Jesus to buy us a second time. God, come on. Twice he puts his mark on us. He makes us. And then he allows us to be accepted through Christ. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, this is not our home. We are not, don't get comfortable. Your McMansion is not going to do nothing for you. Build the kingdom of God. How long is eternity? I'll find out. That's my plan. My plan is to find out. Give us the day, the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Remind yourself that God is our provision. He's the one that rescues us. He's where everything comes from. His grace abounds. His provision abounds through Christ. Don't lead us into temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. God's plan is to save us. God's plan is to protect us. He is our heavenly daddy. He loves us. He is a king. He is a father. He is a loving father. Forgive people. Chris, my God, I'm so glad Dude, try to say what's up to me at Cold Stone yesterday. 
I didn't even notice him. And you know what? He came to me and he said, hey, I don't think you remember. You know what? If you had a hard heart, that snub-nosed dude didn't even say hi to me. Amen. I appreciate that. That's the truth. All right, 20 seconds. God spoke the world into existence. There is life and death in the power of your words, of your tongue. Use those words to steer your life. God, I want your will. God, I want your kingdom. God, I'm saved. I'm sober. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a heathen. Good Jesus. Speak life over yourself. Seek his kingdom. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Way better. He ain't playing. It's for real. Man, so good. So good. Y'all enjoying this? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Shake it up. Hey, listen, uh, number five. I, I, number five is my favorite. The most attractive speaker of all five. I can say that. I think I used that joke last time. I'll come up with another one for next time. But anyway, uh, I'm really excited you guys get to hear speaker number five because Andrea is, not only is she like the best pastor in the family, uh, but she, I love what God's doing in her and how, she, how God's using her to grow you in so many ways, in so many areas of the church. I know you love her. Come on, give it up for Andrea Isaacs. Divine direction sounds like GPS for my life, right? In 500 feet, turn left. Delays ahead, seek alternate route, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be awesome if we all had these step-by-step directions for our final destination? Listen, it doesn't exactly work like that, but there have been times in my life when it really did feel like God was giving me directions sections at a time. And I love this because I actually see this happen in the Bible as well. One of my favorite Bible stories ever is Joshua. And there's a whole entire book. Um, If you love epic adventures, just go read the whole entire book of Joshua cover to cover. But there's something interesting that stands out to me. Okay, so Joshua is the guy who takes over leading the nation of Israel when Moses passes away. And he's also the guy who gets to lead everybody into the promised land. So right out of the gate, God starts giving Joshua these really specific step-by-step instructions. Things like arise, cross the river. He's telling him exactly what the plan is going to be. And then I love this. God says, even as early as the first chapter, Be strong and very courageous. I love that. God actually commands Joshua to be strong and very courageous. Now listen, I don't know about you, but if I had been chosen to be the leader of a nation, right? If I had gone through some of the things that Joshua had gone through, the case, I would have the strength and courage thing under control, but that's not exactly the case. It gets even better. Before I read the whole book, uh, this, this entire story of Joshua, I thought that the Bible just said that one time. I thought there was like this one specific verse in Joshua that said, be strong and courageous, but I was actually wrong. So here's what happens. After God gives Joshua a set of instructions and tells him to be strong and courageous, Joshua follows through with those instructions, and then God gives him another set of instructions. And you know what God says at the end of those instructions? Be strong and courageous, right? Isn't that so awesome? So like in chapter one, verse nine, this is exactly what it says. It says, have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? Listen, listen. So if, if you're struggling today, maybe, maybe you're a little bit fearful. Listen, you're in good company because this happens over and over and over again throughout the book of Joshua. God has to remind him many, many times, be strong and courageous Okay, we see it happen throughout the whole entire story. And I find this so encouraging. I find this encouraging because if Joshua, the leader of a great nation, had to be reminded to be strong and courageous, then I should not, shouldn't be like beating myself up when I get a little bit shaky about following the things that God has asked me to do in my life. Does that make sense? Listen, I think some of us, if we found out God's direction for our lives, that we think that somehow that would just give us all this confidence. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Let's go and do it. But that's not exactly how we work, is it? This is kind of how it goes for me. I want to know what God has for my life. So I start to pray to him. I start to seek his face. And then I start to hear from him in sermons and in scripture and through the Holy Spirit. But then fear starts to creep in. As soon as I starts to creep in all together and I'm excited and I'm, I'm ready to do what God has called me to do, fear starts to creep in. It's why I have to hold on to verses like 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. They're lifelines for me. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. The weaker that I am, the stronger he is. So let me remind you again, if you're struggling with that fear, if there's something inside of you that's a little bit timid about stepping out, just know that you're in good company today. Just know that even heroes like Joshua had to be reminded over and over and over again, be strong and courageous. And if that's what had to happen for Joshua, then you better believe that I've got to stay close to his voice. I've got to stay close to the God of the universe who has to speak into my life and over my heart, who has to say over and over and over again, come on, Andrea, be strong and courageous. You've got this. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you the whole entire way. I've got to know where he's leading me, but it's not on my strength. It's not on my own efforts. It's him. So let me just remind you one more time today, be strong and courageous. Oh. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Hey, listen, just do it scared. Just do it scared. Whatever it is you're dreaming about, praying about, thinking about, just do it scared. If you wait until you're not scared anymore, you're going to miss your moment. And, and that's not what we want you to do. God's going to give you just enough information to get you to take a scared step. And that's all right. Your faith will grow, right? That was so good. Hey, everybody stand up with me. Have you guys enjoyed this today? This is so good. So good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and I, you know, I guess if we just had to wrap up all six weeks, I just want to encourage you again. Like, don't freak out. Don't panic. Don't somehow stress over the fact that you're going to miss God's best for your life. Because God's plans and dreams for your life are greater than your plans off the mark. So if it doesn't play out exactly like you see it in your head, that doesn't mean you're off the mark. It means that God has something better in store for you. So we don't want to panic or freak out about it. We're going to trust God. We're going to do what we know to do. We're going to be obedient, be willing, like all the things that we've heard these last few weeks and today, and trust that God is not going to let us miss it. 
He loves us too much and his plans are too great for us to let us to be toying with us and playing games with us. We're gonna trust him and follow him. So here's what I would love to do today. I'd love to just pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads with me?